If you have your Bible with you today, I'd like you to open with me to the Gospel of Luke. We'll be in Luke chapter 21, and once again we'll pick up in the same section, we'll pick up in verse 9, which is um, one of the verses that we ended with last week, but I want to pick up there because it kind of, uh, kind of sets the stage and, and continues the flow of what we're going to be reading today. And uh, we're in this section of Jesus' teaching where he teaches about two things, and they're, they're interrelated, but he talks about the destruction of Jerusalem and the temple, and also about the end whenever he returns. Now, unlike parallels, uh, the parallel passages in Matthew 24 and Mark 13, which are all, they all have the same, uh, the same content, uh, Matthew and Mark record more of the teaching of Jesus that has to do with the end. Luke records more of the teaching that has to do with the destruction of the temple. And so uh, that is something that, he, that Jesus' contemporaries would endure. It was a horrible judgment. It was direct judgment uh, from God on their rejecting the Messiah. And, uh, uh, but as bad as it was going to be, that would just prefigure, it was a kind of a small picture of the, uh, the, the terrible situation that would happen at the end. Now last week we looked at a couple of things that were to come. And Jesus warned us about them. He said there are going to be false messiahs. You remember there are going to be people that, that claim to be, uh, claim to be the, uh, the, the Son of God. They're going to claim to be the Messiah. But also people declaring that it was the end of the world. And on top of that, um, there are be all kinds of political upheavals. There are going to be uh, wars and rumors of wars and so forth. And Jesus gave a warning. He says, whenever that all happens, don't be misled. Don't follow after those. Um, that, that's all part and parcel of what's going to happen. That is all... Uh, that that is all um, that that that's all going to be just happening. That but but that's not the end. The end does not immediately follow. He says. So that's where we're going to pick up in in Luke uh, chapter twenty one. And if you found that, please stand if you're able, and we'll pick up in verse nine, and read down to verse twenty four. Jesus says, "When you hear of wars and disturbances, do not be terrified, for these things must take place must take place first. But the end does not follow immediately. Then he continued by saying to them, Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be great earthquakes, and in various places plagues and famines, and there will be terrors and great signs from heaven. But before all these things, they will lay their hands on you and will persecute you, delivering you to the synagogues and prisons, bringing you before kings and governors for my name's sake. It will lead to an opportunity for your testimony." So make up your minds not to prepare beforehand to defend yourselves, for I will give you utterance, utterance and wisdom which none of your opponents will be able to resist or refute. But you will be betrayed even by parents and brothers and relatives and friends, and they will put some of you to death. And you will be hated by all because of my name. Yet not a hair of your head will perish. By your endurance you will gain your lives. But when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then recognize that her desolation is near. Then those who are in Judea must flee to the mountains, and those who are in the midst of the city must leave, and those who are in the country must not enter the city, because these are days of vengeance, so that all things which are written will be fulfilled. Woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babies in those days, for there will be great distress upon the land and wrath to this people, and they will fall by the edge of the sword and will be laid captive into the, all the nations, and Jerusalem will be trampled underfoot by the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled." Thank you. You may be seated. Now, the first thing I want you to see in our text today is the delay. The delay. Now, this is something that Jesus has taught several times in different places, in different ways. But Jesus teaches us that, that he, he came onto the scene. He, he came into Jerusalem triumphantly. All the people were singing Hosanna and so forth. 
But he taught that the, 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 the Messiah's kingdom, that the, the kingdom of God was not going to be consummated at that time. There was going to be a gap. There was going to be a, a, a period of time, a, a, a time of waiting, I guess you'd say, in between the time that he came the first time and his setting up the kingdom in his fullness. Now he teaches that uh, here as well. If, if you look back at verse 9, he says, The end does not follow immediately. Then in verses 10 and 11, he, he implies those things. He says in verses 10 and 11, there are going to be wars and famines and earthquakes. Well, listen, those things take time. It takes time for wars to be fought. It takes time for, for pestilences to, to, to ravage a society or to, to, to ravage the world. Verse 12, he says, these things will happen, but first... Other stuff's going to happen. So we have a, a, an even bigger gap. And then verse 24 at the end, he says that there's a period of time that Jesus calls the times of the Gentiles that must be fulfilled. So, so what I'm saying is throughout his ministry, Jesus teaches there's, there, there, there's going to be a period of time, there, there's going to be a gap, and, and we are in that gap right now. We don't know how long it is. We don't know how long it will be. But it, there, there's a period of time in which we're living before he sets up his kingdom in its fullness, before he reigns visibly on this earth. Now that's important for us to remember because as, as Peter says in Second Peter 3, in, in the last days, not only will perilous times come, but there are going to be scoffers and, and, and skeptics and critics, and they will scoff at this idea that Jesus is going to return, that, that the world is going to end. And they'll say, well, where's the, where's the promise of his coming? Because, because ever since the fathers have fallen asleep, things are continuing on just like they have. In other words, things are being going on are, are happening today just like they always have. And, and the Bible says, don't lose heart and don't be discouraged by their mockings because this delay is not due to God's slowness, but rather it's God's mercy that's doing this because he's allowing people an opportunity to repent and believe. And that's why we don't know how long this gap is, but we do know there's an end date. And that's why it's so imperative for us, so important for us to, to, to make sure that we respond to his call even today while we know there's time. So we have the delay. Next I want you to see the signs of the time, if we can call them that, resumed. Now he's just gone through saying in verse 9 there are going to be political upheavals. We looked at that last week. But then he continues to expand in verse 10 this idea. And he says, nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There's, in other words, there's going, to be, there's going to be fighting, there's going to be military action, troops are going to go on foreign soil, there, there's going to be bloodshed, and, and, and not only that, but there's going to be, uh, there will be natural disasters. He said there are going to be earthquakes, and I think we could also lump in there other natural disasters, hurricanes, tornadoes, uh, drought, bad crop seasons, sickness, pestilence, plagues, and, and those are some of the things he mentions. Now listen, organizations that do charitable work to relieve human suffering will not be out of a job. Instead, they're going, to be, they're going to be called on more than ever because there are going to be all these natural disasters. There are going to be all these wars. And on top of all that, if you look at what he says, he says there are going to be celestial perturbations. Isn't that a big word? Perturbations. I, I came across the wall back and I, I hadn't had a chance to use it and I've been wanting to. What does that mean? It means there's going to be things are going to get shook up. <coughs> now, he says there are going to be signs in heavens, celestial signs. There are, there are going to be wonders in, in the heavens, things that will strike terror in the hearts of people. And, and we don't know what all these things will be, but we know that, that, that all these wars and rumors of war and, and stuff going on uh, up in the heavens, you know, you look at it in space and sometimes there's big news. An asteroid is headed towards Earth. 
It's going to hit the earth, and, and there's going to be a, a close uh, pass by, uh, fairly closely, and so on and so forth. And, and they're all the time, if, if you pay attention, they, they've been talking for a while about part of the sun broke off, and we don't know why, and all these, all these things. And, and so there are all these things happening in this world that are going to cause terror in the hearts of people. And we don't know what all the things are going to be, but, but we know that this is the lot of humanity. We live in a fallen world. We, we live in a world where all of creation groans as, as we wait for the, the return of Christ. But like I said last week, that's what's happening all the time, but it's going to amp up. It's going to happen more frequently. It's going to happen more intensely as the day draws near. And so, <coughs> excuse me. So there are going to be all these terrible things happening, but I want you to look at verse 12. Because before all this, other stuff's going to happen. First, he talks about persecution. There will be a surge of persecution. Followers of Christ have always been persecuted. Now, we in America are the exception. Now, there, there, there is what, what I would consider persecution occasionally. Like, there, there, was, there was a time a while back where... Uh, where, where they tried to take the livelihood of, of a baker, for instance, because he refused to, to use his uh, skills and abilities, his business, to endorse what God forbade and, and said that, and, and, and God says that's forbidden, that's, that's sinful, and he said, I'm not taking part in it. They tried to take his livelihood. That's persecution. You know, somebody at work giving you a hard time, uh, that's not persecution. Now, Christians have always faced, in some degree or another, persecution. I mean, the Bible says that all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. And we see it all the way back in the book of Acts. You remember his earliest followers in Acts chapter 1 and, and following. Jesus has, has, has risen from the dead. The disciples all gather. Pentecost happens. The Spirit's given. They, they begin to stand up and preach and, and heal and do all these amazing things in the name of Jesus. And what happened to them? Well, a lot of people responded positively, but these, these followers of Christ were hauled in to the synagogues, hauled in before the rulers. They were threatened. They were warned. They were beaten. They were imprisoned. They were martyred in various ways. And then if you, if you look at verse 12, that's exactly what Jesus said was going to happen. But before all these things, they'll lay your hand, their hands on you, and they'll persecute you and deliver you to the synagogues and prisons, bringing you before kings and governors for my name's sake. Now, it wasn't just the Jewish authorities who opposed Christians. Jesus mentions kings and governors. That's the, those are Gentiles. The early church is, the, the stories of the early church is that they're filled with people who refused to bow the knee to Caesar. They wouldn't take part in Caesar worship. They wouldn't give a pinch of incense. Used to, back then, they would... Rome would require you to say, Caesar is Lord. Well, guess what the, the Christians would do? They said, we're not doing that. There's one Lord, and that's Jesus Christ. And they would not say, Jesus is Lord. And they were thrown to the lions. Nero, he was one of the Caesars. He was one of the worst people in history. Here's how callous and heartless and evil he was. He burned Christians alive and used their flaming bodies to light his dinner parties in the garden. That is persecution. And Jesus said, that's going to happen. The state's not Lord. Caesar's not Lord. Jesus is Lord. And that's what these people held to. 
And that's what got him killed. Now, to go along with that, if you look up, uh, look in, in your Bible at verses 16 and following, not only is there persecution, but there's also betrayal. And all these things go together. Because it's not just the, the guy that's standing in the pulpit that's preaching that's going to be on trial. It's not just the, the person that goes out and, and preaches on the street corner and, and is in the open air and out in the public and people say, let's get him. But following Jesus causes such division between those people who love God and those who do not love God that the Bible says, and, and history bears this out, that there would, be, there would be such a division that even parents would even betray their children and, their, and children would betray their parents. Siblings would betray one another not just to get a slap on the wrist, but to the point of death. They'll betray their own friends, their own family. Why? Because the Bible says that in the last days, the love of many will grow cold. That happened to Jesus' first followers. I mean, you, you look it up in, even in the scriptures. People were persecuted. And it's happened to one degree or another over the past 2,000 years. In some countries, in some cultures... In some families, if you name the name of Jesus, you're cut off. You're, you, you are kicked out of the family, essentially. You lose everyone and everything you know. And it's going to get worse as, as, his, as the time draws near for him to return because the Bible says there will be a great following away. There will be an apostasy. People who may have, have even said or, or even believed or hoped that they were Christians... It'll be shown they never knew the Lord because the Bible says they will turn away. They will abandon Him. They will repudiate their faith. They'll turn their backs on Him. And because they turn their backs on Him, they'll hate Him. They'll hate everybody who follows after Him. And therefore, they will betray those who follow Him. Jesus says they will betray you to death, but verse 18, but not a hair of your head will perish. Now, I want you to think about that. Jesus says, you're going to die, but not a hair of your head will perish. What on earth? How does that fit together? This is not a blanket promise of physical protection for his followers. He's not saying there's some sort of force field around you that nobody will be able to do anything to you. What he's saying is, you will not suffer eternal loss. What he's saying is, they may kill the body. And he says, in fact, they will kill the body, but that's all they can do. They can't do anything beyond the grave. <coughs> when they've done their worst, that actually works for your best. That actually works for your good. Because what does the Bible say? To live is Christ, to die is gain. And when they, do, when they do their worst and they put you to death, that ends up being to your ultimate good. And this, this courage, this steadfastness, this perseverance... It's going to show itself that the, 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 person who, the person who perseveres is the person who's saved. It's kind of like work. Sometimes people talk about the, the relationship between faith and works and so forth. Listen, you don't work to get saved. You work because you are saved. You don't work for salvation. You work from salvation. Likewise, the, this perseverance doesn't get you saved. It shows you are saved. Finally, he says that there will be Signs that point to Jerusalem, uh, to, to, to put it in today's parlance, Jerusalem's a goner. And look at what he says in verse 20. We see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then recognize that her desolation 
is near. Now, I've, I've said this date a bunch of times. Hopefully, it's getting ingrained in your brain. 70 AD, that's when Rome surrounded Jerusalem. And, well, they, they surrounded earlier than that. But, but that, was the, that was the time when they came in. They wiped out Jerusalem. They leveled it. They tore down the, the temple. And, and it, it was, it was a, a time of incredible suffering. Now, this should not be a newsflash to any of us. Because we've worked our way from Luke 1.1 to Luke 21, and it's taken us a few years to get there, but we've covered it. And one of the things that, that he says in chapter 19, he's getting ready to go to Jerusalem, he's on his way to what we call the triumphal entry, and the Bible says when he approached Jerusalem, Luke 19 verses 40, 41 to 44, when he approached Jerusalem, he saw the city and wept over it, saying, If you had known in this day, even you, the things which make for peace, but now they've been hidden from your eyes. For the days will come upon you when your enemies will throw up a barricade against you and surround you and hem you in on every side, and they will level you to the ground and your children within you, and they will not leave in you one stone upon another, because you did not recognize the time of your visitation. The destruction of Jerusalem was a direct judgment of God on them for rejecting the Messiah. That is what Jesus says in, in chapter 19. He's saying it again. Jerusalem is going down. Rome is going to surround it. There, there are going to be blockades. There are going to be, there's going to be a siege. And there is, there, it's direct judgment of God. And when they see that, when they see these armies marching against Jerusalem, it's time to hit the road, Jack. It's time to pack up your stuff and, and go. And not even pack up your stuff, just flee. Don't look back. Don't, if you're on the roof, don't go down and grab your stuff. You just need to skedaddle. Now, the way they used to do it, because if, if you look, it says that when, it, when you see all this happening, you need to get out. And if you're in the country, don't go to Jerusalem. You say, well, why on earth would anybody go to Jerusalem if that's where the army's marching? Because back then they lived out, their, their homes were like ours. I mean, we don't have fortifications around our house. But cities, they would have, well, you think about the walls of Jericho came tumbling down. They had big, big, huge walls. And when people in the country would see armies marching into an area, they didn't have any defenses. So they would flee to these cities which had these big city walls, these big fortifications, so they could be safe. And so what Jesus is saying is, it doesn't matter where you are, if, if you're in the city, you need to get out. And if you're in the country, you don't go there to, to, to take up, uh, you don't hole up in Jerusalem. Because this is a day of wrath. It's a day of vengeance. And history tells us whenever the Christians saw Rome surrounding the city, guess what they did? They fled. They knew what Jesus had prophesied. They knew what he was talking about. And he, he talks about many dying, and he talks about many being carried away into all the nations. History records that over a million people died in the siege of Jerusalem, and then the, the slaughter that followed. And over 97,000 were led away captive into the nations. This is precisely what Jesus said would happen. And then if you'll, you'll look, he concludes the last, the last uh, little bit of this text. He concludes this section by predicting that, G, that, that Jerusalem, verse 24, would be trampled underfoot by the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. Folks, that's where we are right now. We're in the times of the Gentiles. 
Since then, Jerusalem has been trampled underfoot by the Gentiles. When you look at, at all this stuff that, that, that would precede his coming, there ain't nothing there. Because after this, in verse 25, he starts talking about the return of Christ. Now, we don't know how long this period will last. It's, it's lasted 2,000 years. It may last 2,000 more years. Or it may not last the rest of the day. We don't know. And again, that's why it's, it's imperative that you make sure that you're right with God when that time is up. In that day, if, if you go on to read, we're not going to look at it today, but if, if you, in that day, Jesus will return in power and glory. And we think of Jesus meek and mild. We think of him, Jesus lying in the manger. We think of Jesus on the cross. We don't think of him coming in vengeance. But that's exactly what the Bible says will happen. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 6 through 10. It says, For after all, it is only just for God to repay with affliction those who afflict you, and to give relief to you who are afflicted, and to us as well, when the Lord Jesus will be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, dealing out retribution to those who do not know God, and to those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. These will pay the penalty of eternal destruction away from his presence of the Lord, and from the glory of his power, when he comes to be glorified in his saints on that day, and to be marveled at among all who have believed. For our testimony to you was believed. Friend, one day you will bow before Jesus. Everybody will. At the name of Jesus, every, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. It would be far better to do it now before it's too late. Because once you go past, once you pass... You sin past that day of grace, or you die in that condition, there is no second chance. You have no hope. There are no do-overs. There are no retries. What you do with the Lord now, even today, determines your eternal destiny, whether it's heaven or whether it's hell. Listen, you don't go to heaven because you're, you're good enough, because you have some vague... Cultural Christianity, say, oh, well, God's, God's got my back. He's looking out for me. Because you've devoted a certain amount of time to the Lord's work in preaching, in teaching, of, of church attendance, of giving money to the poor, because of who your grandparents were, of how religious your parents are. The only way to heaven is by trusting Jesus Christ as Savior. That is it. Therefore, repent and believe the gospel. Why don't you stand with me as musicians come. And as you stand, I, I just want to encourage you because there may be some of you here who are, who are discouraged by the delay. There may be people in your, in your workplace, maybe even in your home, who mock, who scoff at the idea that Jesus will return, who call you a holy roller, who, who, who say all kinds of things. Jesus' delay is not because he's forgotten about what's happening in the world. His delay is to give people more opportunity. And with heads bowed and eyes closed, I've... That opportunity is for you today.
If you do not know Jesus in a saving way, today is the day of salvation. Today is the day to repent of your sins, put your faith in Christ. Maybe you're a Christian and you have some loved one that you want to see in heaven. You have a friend, family member. Pray for that person. Our Heavenly Father, we do thank you that even your, well, what seems like a delay is not a delay. You're not running late. This is all within your plan. And we thank you for the extended opportunity that we've had. And God, we pray for our friends and loved ones, maybe even somebody that's here me today that needs to know you. Thank you for your grace in offering that that invitation yet another time. And God, we pray that they would see Christ for who he is and trust him. And God, I ask that you would be with uh, with each of us as we uh, as we live in these these trying and uncertain times. There's so much stuff going on, and it's it's depressing, it's disturbing. Help us to have faith in you and trust in your providence and in your sovereignty. In Jesus' name, amen.